Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Have my postcard here from my good friend, Matt Hinton. Matt dropped this off personally in my office the other day, and it's the phases of the moon. I'm not sure if you can see that on camera, but it kind of goes through the phases. It's a kind of a hol- holographic postcard. But I like what Matt said. He said he was in D.C., saw this postcard, and thought of me. Uh, He said, you can't say I never get you anything because I got you the moon. So how's that? A little bit corny, but Matt, (laughs) thanks for thinking about me and getting me that postcard. We are in Jeremiah chapter 13 uh, today and looking at verse number 21, going to finish the chapter. This is all in the context of the two signs that God has given to Jeremiah to help the people see themselves. Sometimes we can't see ourselves just by what we hear. We've got to be shown something. And so in this chapter, we talked about that belt, remember, that was hidden up under a rock at the Euphrates River. We've talked about the filling the, the bottles with wine, which was an expression, like everything's going to work out okay. And The people agreed with that expression, but they didn't understand that a God can fill with his judgment and his wrath. And the people of God were just assuming that they could do what they wanted to do with impunity. God's never going to uh, judge us. Bad things are never going to happen. It's all going to work out. And Jeremiah shattered that philosophy uh, with this message. Look at verse number 21, uh, where the Bible says, What wilt thou say when he shall punish thee? What are you going to say when judgment finally comes? What are you going to say when God finally deals with this? For thou hast taught them to be captains and as chief over thee. Shalt not sorrows take thee as a woman in travail? You know, what are you going to say? What excuse are you going to give when God finally deals with your sin? Because you're the one that actually invited this judgment. That's what it means by you taught them to be captains. What does that mean? That means that the rulers of the Babylonian army, these captains and these soldiers that are coming in, you're the one that taught them how to be captains in the sense of you're the one that invited this destruction upon yourself. And it's going to be like a woman that is going through labor pains. It's going to be horrible. Verse number 22 and if thou say in thine heart, wherefore, or or why come these things upon me? And, and, and if in that moment of punishment, in that moment of chastisement from the Lord, if you say, well, what did I do wrong? What, what, why is all this happening to me? Then watch what the Bible says here in verse 22. Uh, For the greatness of thine iniquities are thy skirts discovered. And thy heels made bare. Uh, that would be to be brought to shame is what that what that means. The, the, the shame that you're feeling 
uh, the exposure of your sin, the punishment uh, thereof, it's not God's fault. If you ask in your heart, well, why is all this happening to me? Then you need to look no further than your own mirror. Because look in the mirror. You have invited this upon yourself. You have nobody to blame but yourself. That That's really the gist of what he's saying here. And watch the very famous verse number 23, where the Bible says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? It's a rhetorical question. I mean, can can a person change their skin color? Can a leopard change its the, the pattern of its skin, the spots? Of course it can. Uh, then the Bible says this, then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. In other words, the evil that you are practicing, the habits that are characterizing your lives are as are as ingrained as skin color. They're as ingrained as the spots on a leopard. So there's no way you're going to be able to change what you've become. Now, I like what Spurgeon said about this passage. He said, yeah, while it's true that sinful habits can envelop us and dominate us to the point where we can't change, it's not that a leopard can't be changed or that an Ethiopian can't be changed, or that we in our sin can't be changed. It's that we can't do the changing. That's the point. You know, can God do what we cannot do? Of course he can. And that's the point. The point is they needed to thrust themselves entirely upon the mercy, the grace, and the power of God, but they were not. And there was going to be no way for them to make those changes in themselves. Look at verse number 24. Therefore, the Lord says, well, I scatter them. Why? Because they are entrenched in this sinful and evil behavior, and they have no desire for repentance. So I will scatter them as the stubble that passeth away by the wind of the wilderness. Everybody back in those days would understand that illustration in the threshing process. Uh, when the chaff was separated from the, the grain, the grain would be heavy and would fall to the ground. The wind would not affect it, but the chaff would be carried away with the wind. Uh, everybody would understand that imagery. And wow, when we live lives that are outside of the confines of God's will, when we are doing the things that we know to do that are wrong, then we're living empty lives, like the empty husk of grain and the wind carries it away. What an empty, worthless futile life that is. I think that's why Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, used that word vanity over and over again. Why? Because the life lived for self is a vain life. It's an empty life, a life that is just blown away with the wind. Verse number 26, where therefore will I discover thy skirts upon thy face that thy shame may appear and this was uh, a, a metaphor that uh, Jeremiah used that would apply to women of ill repute back in those days uh, who would be shamed for their sinful and immoral activity. Uh, and the, so the, the idea there is, I am going to bring you to shame. Your secret practices uh, that uh, you're doing against me one day will be brought to light. Verse number 27 Last verse I'll read. I have seen thine adulteries, the Lord says, 
And, and that's always a that's always a a sobering thought that the Lord knows and the Lord sees. Now think about this. I have seen thine adulteries. What a shameful thing that is to think that somebody would be looking in on an adulterous tryst or relationship. Boy, that would be a shameful thing to think that somebody was watching the committing of adultery. Remember that case there in John 8 where a woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So think about the fact that uh, she had been discovered in the act of sin. Wow, how shameful that must have been. How horrible. And yet the Bible says that when we worship false gods, when we are focused upon and devoted to other things in our life above our God, that in essence is spiritual adultery. I think about what James said in James chapter 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And throughout the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah has painted God's people as the bride of Jehovah. And yet what have they done? They've not been faithful to their husband. Uh, They've not been submissive to their husband. Uh, They've not been uh, exclusively committed to to their husband. No, they've been playing the adulteress, haven't they? And what God says is, I have seen this. Verse number 27, I have seen thine adulteries and thy neighings. So the neighing would be like the neighing of a horse, but the idea there is a horse in heat, uh, a horse that or a horse that that is is wanting to engage in uh, a physical uh, relationship. So the, the the point there is the strong yearning of lust. That's the idea. Verse number twenty seven: the lewdness of thy whoredom. Well, there's, there's nothing really to be left to the imagination there. A God calls their behavior, their spiritual, their, their, their spiritual unfaithfulness. He calls it lewdness and whoredom or harlotry. And, and I know that as modern readers, we look back at passages like these, and this just seems, wow, this is so politically incorrect. This is so in your face. And yet, I think what it is, it's the Lord just calling sinful behavior what it is, helping the people to see it described in its ugliness. We live in a society in which sin is not described accurately. We don't talk about sin anymore. We don't talk about unrighteousness or lewdness, immorality. We talk about, well, I made a mistake or I'm having a hard time or I stumbled. Yeah, we use all these euphemisms to somehow downgrade the nature of our sin. We do that with all kinds of unpalatable things. We don't call it a funeral home anymore. We call it uh, we call it a, a parlor. You know, a we we call it a uh, we don't call it a graveyard. We call it memorial gardens. We don't call it death. Uh, we call it passing over. We just use all these euphemisms to make really unpalatable things sound better. But 
using different word different words doesn't change what the thing is. So here the Lord just uses these really kind of in your face words to help us to understand the nature of our sin and just how bad it is. It's a whole lot worse than we think it is. That's why when we come to the Lord and confess our sins, the word confess in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is a very interesting Greek word. It's the word homo legeo. So homo means same and legeo means to speak. So when we confess our sins to the Lord, what we're saying is, Lord, I agree that my sin is exactly what you say it is. It's as bad as you say it is. So how can we see our sin as bad unless we're seeing it in its proper context? So the Lord never minces words. That's the whole purpose for the addition of the law to the Abrahamic covenant. Remember, the Abrahamic covenant came hundreds of years before the law, but the law was added, the Bible says in Galatians 3, because of transgressions. So people were not seeing themselves as sinners. So what did God do? God gave them that covenant to show them himself in and through the picture of the law so that against the backdrop of the law and all of its multifarious commandments, people would see, wow, I'm way more sinful than I thought I was. I didn't think I was so bad until I looked in that mirror. That's the point. So God is calling a spade a spade right here in verse 27. And then it says, and thine abominations on the hills, in the fields. Uh, In other words, you've committed these abominations in these high places, in these open places, uh, and I have seen all of it. Watch the very last part of verse number 27. Woe unto thee, O Jerusalem. The word woe means... Uh, utter and complete, like throwing up of the arms. Like, what am I going to do with you? This is bad. This has gone too far. Woe unto you, O Jerusalem. Wilt thou not be made clean? Aren't you going to get right? Aren't you going to confess? Aren't you going to repent? Wilt thou be ma- not be made clean? Watch the last question of verse number verse number uh, 27. When shall it once be? When shall it once be? Can't you just one time see yourself? Can't you just one time admit? Can't you just, won't you ever get right? Think about this. This is the Lord speaking to people whom he loves, whom he has saved, whom he has redeemed, whom he has led, whom he has fed, whom he has protected. And God said, can't you just once, can't you just once see the error of your ways and come back to me? It's the heart of Almighty God. What a great way to end that chapter just to see the heart of our God. And while he calls sin, sin, we see his heart in all of it, don't we? So we'll stop there at verse number 27, last verse of the chapter. And uh, tomorrow we'll jump into a brand new chapter chapter number 14. I hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.